3: keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes
2: from
4: our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey,
0: it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people
4: get qualified?
5: We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
4: Call four two three six six seven seven eight seven seven and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. In
6: 2022, Voice Sets Fire vocalist Nathan Gray recorded the album Rebel Songs under the moniker Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses. It was basically a Nathan Gray solo record, but sometime after it was recorded and before it got released, Nathan was questioning whether this project should remain a solo outfit. And like that, the Iron Roses, not Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses, but the Iron Roses was born, a six-piece group where every member is equal, including Nathan. The sound is much different than their post-hardcore group, Boy Sets Fire, or the Americana leanings of their solo records. It's joyful protest music that incorporates quite a bit of ska and reggae, and it's not a genre Nathan has played with much at all before this, but it's one they feel super comfortable in expressing where they're at in life right now. The Iron Roses released their debut self-titled record on October 20th, 2023, and
3: they're set to tour a bunch in 2024. I had been introduced to the Iron Roses in kind of a interesting way.
6: Oh, Yeah.
3: Yeah. My friends, Vantana Rowe, uh, posted a video of theirs. And I don't know about you, but when I flip through uh, Instagram stories, I have the sound off. Yeah, same. So I just saw these people in like kind of goth outfits in like an all white room. And it didn't look like Vantana Rowe's aesthetic. So I I messaged them and said, What the shit is this? (laughs) (laughs) And then they were like, Oh, I thought we supported Ska. And I was like, Wait, this is Ska? I didn't have the sound on. And I'm like, Holy shit, it is Ska. And <laughs> and I was like so embarrassed. And I was like, damn, this is actually good. I'm gonna go flip myself off in the mirror. So much like uh Steve Choi has talked about in the past, uh, I'm trying to be a reformed hater. Yeah, yeah. And own up to my mistakes. And the, the, the band in question you're talking
6: about is Iron Roses. Yes. So Van Tanaro was trying to get your approval as their ska daddy. Yeah and posting about Scott and you just
3: shit all over them. I I shamed them into initially (laughs) deleting the post.
6: Well, the story has a happy ending because now we're talking to iron roses. Yeah. I think we should just start off with the big question.
2: Oh God. What's that? The big question
6: (laughs) is tell us about the journey that led to you going ska. (laughs)
2: That's, that's actually a good question. Um, (laughs) Because it wasn't like, um, bringing in like ska and reggae elements into what we do was a weird thing that came up. I mean, like, obviously, I've been doing music for like 30 years, and I've never really dabbled.
7: Um, <laughs> and, um,
2: it was probably not until that uh, Rebel Songs, the yeah. Nathan Gray album, the yeah. solo album, where I started messing with those things and um, like ska and reggae uh, elements. And it just it pulled over into this when we decided, okay, it's going to be the Iron Roses. We're going to put out an Iron Roses album as a band. Those elements just followed and they became very natural in what we were doing um, that
3: we can't really separate from it anymore. (laughs) We're We're here. (laughs) Yeah. What was your connection to Ska back in the day? Like, Did you listen to Ska? Uh,
2: Yeah. Well, honestly, I probably, as far as Ska and reggae are concerned, number one um, was English Beat was a huge one. Um, I probably got into English Beat right around the same time I was into The Clash and any kind of punk music. Uh, And at that same time, I was listening to a lot of Black Yuhuru, um, which is more like, I guess, like um, dub reggae uh, stuff.
1: Dubstep reggae? No, no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but just, just to be clear, Nathan doesn't mean dubstep, right? No, no, I do not. Please, no.
2: <laughs> but Black Yuhuru and English Beat and uh, Burning Spear and Bob Marley and things like that played into, and even some of the old like uh, Trojan um, skinhead reggae stuff. Um, Really, it it was part of my collection within the punk. Mm -hmm. And I think it it was sort of like a, when the clash were incorporating all these different elements, it made so much sense why all of it spoke to me. You know why the specials spoke to me as much as the Ramones you know and so that's just I guess that's just been something I've carried with me for a long time but never really got to work through and now with this band we're doing it
3: because fuck why not. Hell yeah. Becky what about you did you have a connection to ska?
1: So um, I would say that this is my introduction to Scott. Being in a band that is playing it, <laughs> uh, I I always have to tell people like I don't come from a background that is like you know as a performer that's punk driven or anything like that. Like I am a the the choir kid, the, the kid who did like all the musicals growing up. Like mm. you know I did some bands in my early twenties, but they were just very rock driven. So I feel like. The adorable oddball out in my band. (laughs) Such a different place, but the theater nerd. Yeah, I am the yeah. theater nerd. But it's so funny because when Nathan was talking about bringing in Scott into what we're doing with the Iron Roses, I almost started laughing because I remembered that we had a guitarist that we were kind of trying out as a permanent member, and they were so very not into. The they Scott hated, thing. It. <laughs> they <laughs> hated it, right? <laughs> and they like, I was like, oh, this is this is definitely not going to
2: work. I would bring in songs, and you could just. See his face drop. Yeah.
1: There's like an <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> oh fuck. Yeah. I
3: was like, well, you're not going to yeah. work out, are you, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Becky? What what uh what musicals were you into as a youth?
1: Oh god, like anything, anything that I could get my hands on. Like, um you know, I'm talking like all of the old shit, like Godspell. Like a senior year, oh, I wow. did my. I did Godspell, but also like I was a big Andrew Lloyd Webber nerd. But also like anything that kind of was on and off Broadway in the '90s at all. Like Mm. I can't tell you how many times I've even I've seen. Okay, I can tell you I've seen I've seen Rent six times in six different cities, (laughs) and I'm not ashamed of that. It's fucking cool. Yes, it is.
3: (laughs) I was an extra in the movie version of Rent.
1: Really? I didn't even
3: know this. You didn't know that? You can't see me at all but I was just there for it. What scene were you in? So, well, the the guy who's kind of a, a rocker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he there's like a whole flashback scene where his band's like playing a show and he like looks across the crowd and like meets the girl. So I was in the crowd and half of my band, the bass player in my band now Barry, is on stage playing bass in his band.
7: That's awesome. awesome. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, That's fucking rad. Not to side tangent too much, but how, how
6: did this happen? I didn't know this story.
3: Yeah. There was a show at Blake's on Telegraph and, um, uh, this, this casting agent was there and they just told all the bands like, Hey, come to this audition. And so we went to this audition and we had to learn how to play new sensation by NXS and rebel yell by Billy Idol. So, and then we, we get to this warehouse and the same time they're trying all of us out. They're also auditioning all the drag Queens. So they're all there too. Like all like, and they're all like eight feet tall on the other side of the room. And so all these like dirty punk kids like load in and the actor comes over to us and he goes, Hey, so just so you know, like the song that you're going to be playing is not going to be the song that like they're going to hear. So like, it doesn't really matter how well you play. It matters what you look like standing behind me. And so I was like, Oh, well, well I'm automatically out. Cause I'm like a foot and a half taller than you.
1: So They're like great audition. You can be guy in crowd that no one can.
3: Do. Yeah. Yeah. So the rest of us, they were like, well, you can come, you can come make $80 and stand in the crowd. And so I ate like my weight in craft services and ate myself oh, yeah. sick yeah. on shrimp. Like, yeah. You shouldn't eat the shrimp at craft services. I found out. No, I, I can imagine <laughs> that shit's been sitting there for a hot. Oh minute. yeah, it was it yeah. was bad. There, the the only other thing I remember about that is there was this like real cool like kind of electro clash band called So So Many White White Tigers from San Francisco, and their singer was there as one of the audience members too, and yeah. she just she just looked in, deranged. Yeah. <laughs> she was she was wearing this giant one of those giant like white wigs that. Uh-huh. Uh, like royalty would wear back in the day? No. Yeah. New idea.
7: Awesome. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't, don't go
2: there.
3: <laughs> Nathan, what about you? Did you have any connection to, to musicals? Yes. And that's
2: what was so awesome yeah. that like when Becky and I started working together, like I, that was when I was a kid, my parents had folk al- albums like Peter, Paul and Mary and Bob Dylan. And then they had musicals. And one of the biggest ones for me besides Les Mis was Man of La Mancha with Peter O'Toole. Mm. And um I still rip that shit off. Like, I just, <laughs> the like, queen you are. <laughs> yes, yes. And so um so it was cool like that connected and you can actually, funny story, you can hear that theater nerdness in a specific part <laughs> of this album. And it's in Rebel Soul Sound at the end when we do that sort of round mm-hmm. chorus where mm-hmm. Becky's singing her own part. like, And that was the theater nerd coming out. It's so good.
1: Yeah. I tucked it in keep them, it. Out, keep them up, keep them running. Yeah,
2: yeah.
6: Well, just the way you do vocals too, I think it's reminiscent of theater because yeah, doing these co- co-lead vocals with like interesting harmonies mm-hmm. at the same time yeah, and that definitely played
2: into that. Mm-hmm. Like, and still does.
7: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> we'll continue to and we'll get continue even more to ridiculous yeah. with it. Yeah, the next album. <laughs> now that we know people like are into it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> so back uh, back uh, back in the day with Boy Sets Fire. Did did you ever play it with ska bands?
2: Yes, um, and here's the funny thing. And it, it, I brought this up to somebody the other day. Was I had always so obviously, like I said, like the specials, English beat, like all these old, like um, Trojan reggae skinhead bands from England, like I was all into that kind of stuff. And then when I around in the 90s started hearing some ska bands that we ended up playing with, I hated it,
7: <laughs>
2: um, mostly because it had such a weird <clears throat> frat boy vibe. Mm. And like some of the bands, you know, I won't name names or anything like that, but there was just like this, like, ugh, I don't, I don't know if I connect with this anymore. And it wasn't until more recently seeing like the new wave of ska going on this very progressive, like culturally diverse, like progressive, like scene now that really lit me back up again for it. Um, Because back at that time, like, it was just like. I don't know. It just, they all look like frat boys to me. And not only that, but I guess also when you're playing festivals and you get woken up at eight in the morning to people testing out their fucking trumpets. like (laughs) like, Okay. All right. I'm good. Like I don't want any of this.
1: It's funny that it was like a culture driven thing for you because I feel like the Scott kids are like the ones that have opened their arms to us the most right now. Yeah.
2: Um, And that's, and that's the thing like it at that, time, there were, there were a, a few bands that we'd play with on festivals, but it just didn't seem like there was much depth. And I felt like I got into ska and reggae because it, like punk, had a message and a, something to say. And mm-hmm. um, and there was a political and social aspect to it. And these bands were just like, woo, party! And I was like, <laughs> I don't connect that. I don't care about the party. I mean, it's fun, but I want to celebrate about something yeah. that means something, not just woo, drinking and girls. I don't care
6: <laughs> like, okay, what about the new bands you said that you've been interested in the new bands? Do you want to name some names in that department? Oh
2: yeah, of course, like we are the union mm-hmm. and um and Catbite yeah. and um kill Lincoln
1: Good is a guy. great one.
2: Oh, that band, I'm fucking hell,
1: their live show is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I won't, I won't blow you up on that one. This is a little band called OmniGon. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they're all Which, right. Honestly, real quick to blow you up here. I thought that was awesome because hearing you guys, because it was like this sort of metal tinged mm-hmm. thing that I had never heard. Oh, okay. This guy. And, and. It just wasn't something that I had heard before. Maybe there are other bands that did it, but I was like, whoa, that's awesome. All right. Like, um, but anyway, that whole scene and everything and these newer bands where I just, I see myself more within that community mm-hmm. than I did with those bands back in the 90s that just seemed like they wanted to get drunk and party, you know? And maybe these bands want to do that too, but there's more <laughs> to it than that, you know? Like, it's
3: just... How I see it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would definitely say that the newer bands definitely there's a return to there being a message, and yeah, yeah. And I also, I don't, I haven't noticed anybody partying that hard either. Yeah, yeah. And I can't. I'm too <laughs> grandma's, not. I
2: just like
1: we've been there, done that. Yeah,
3: yeah. I'm
2: all through my partying yeah. stage, and not only that, but I found a a time where if I am out on the road partying. I'm not putting hundred percent into what I'm supposed to be doing. Sure. And that that's ripping people off Yeah, and it's not, it's, it's not uh, giving respect to our audience. Uh, So when we're on stage, it's 150,000%. It's a lot of percent (laughs) that is impossible to obtain, but we do it. (laughs) Somehow we do (laughs) it. Somehow we do it, Uh, which, you know, we couldn't do if we were out partying every night. Sure. So, We we leave the party on the stage and we that's it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So so one thing I wanted to cover is the two of you as vocalists, not partying. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to make sure that your voice is in top shape for these tours?
1: Going to bed. Yes. (laughs) Like literally, we love to just. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's energetically, it's you know almost. I don't know if it's because we're of a certain age. Yeah. (laughs) Almost impossible. Like when we get off the stage, like Nathan and I both like we have about an hour before we're just crushed. Like (laughs) we can we we spend time with our fans and then it's like food and bedtime. Like we are very much Mm -hmm. like and and that's okay like yeah. that allows us to stay mentally well and mentally healthy because it's you know a lot of our fans are very um because Nathan and I are very open about our journeys as people you know with mm-hmm. our mental well-being or just you coming out and mm-hmm. mean the kids like we get a lot of um, energy back from our fans. And that is also something that, that needs protected. So like yeah. We yeah. go to bed and yeah. don't, <laughs> I am not ashamed of that.
2: And it's, it's the advice that I give people all the time when they're like, what do you do for your voice? I shut the fuck up and go to bed. <laughs> yeah. I drink a lot. Of water. <laughs> I, I don't away. go out and party afterwards. Like I I, I, I don't stay in loud rooms where I have to talk no. over yeah. people. Oh, I hate that. Um, and it works. You know what I mean? You just, it, it totally works. You do what you are there to do mm-hmm. and then you go the fuck to bed.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are both of you good sleepers?
1: Uh, no. I am. <laughs> <laughs> it not. It's not. It's like 15, you'll sleep for like 15 minutes and yeah. then you're up for like two hours. And you go out and then it's oh. like flipping and walking and yeah. Yeah. But I take, um, like a ZQL or melatonin or something like yeah. that to make sure that I get rest. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nathan is a fucking terrible sleeper. Yeah. But she tried.
2: <laughs> well, I, I, so I sleep really well if I have a bunk in the bus yeah, and different. the bus is moving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah, that
7: is. But in sauce. a still,
2: quiet room, oh my god, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> I can't.
3: Oh, you've been you've been conditioned to that for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you can't sleep when it's not moving, huh?
2: Right, right.
3: Yeah. Oh. I need
2: things moving and a little bit of noise in order to really
3: fall into that yeah. sleep, that REM yeah. sleep. <laughs> And then for for warming up before the set, what do you both do?
1: We're Absolutely so bad fucking at that.
3: nothing. We're yeah. so bad. Oh my god, so bad.
1: Oh, no, this is funny because we just got back from a European tour, and we um, our support band was a band called Shoreline, mm-hmm. um, who are just incredible. Oh, they're so good. musicians. Yeah. Incredible people. They're young. They've got great energy, and they were warming up before so their high. set every, every night. And I yeah. kept looking at Nathan like. We suck. Why aren't we doing that? Not, why are all. we not doing Mommy that? made me
3: mash my ms
2: yes, yeah. We're just like, we yeah.
3: here yeah, doing our makeup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could be doing it while you're doing your makeup. Come on.
2: Yes.
1: Yes.
3: And we should be. And Pedro, our one guitarist,
2: tried to make yeah. us do it uh-huh. and it just didn't work. I I have never done warm ups uh-huh. in my life and I have never found and I don't want to steer anyone in the wrong direction, I'm about to, I- but I'm about to, um, <laughs> they don't work for me. I don't like them. Okay. It's like singing before singing. Yeah. And, um, I, it just doesn't work for me. You're like also
1: if I, so full of nervous energy. I can't imagine you trying to like sit and focus on something.
2: Yeah. Like no, something. no, no, no. I have to pace. Yeah. I have to true. pace and shake and be yeah. nervous. <laughs> How am I going to sing? i got to shake and be nervous. <laughs> And pace around and look at people. I don't know (laughs) what to do. All right, all right. (laughs) Help me.
6: (laughs) It's interesting to hear you. You you named all the new. You named a bunch of the new bands, but it kind of seemed like from the outside, like you guys are sort of unconnected to the ska scene. Like you 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 have a fair amount of ska, but you're Mm -hmm. you're like kind of over here. You're you're playing this music, and and like a lot of the ska bands are pretty pretty well connected with each other. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're new. Yeah. We're also very new. <laughs> like, we're new
2: and also I think, you know, we we sort of describe ourselves more as a punk band.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: just because of all the influences that we have, it's just that we have a heavy dose of ska and reggae in there. Yeah. You know. And so not self-defining as a ska band, probably
1: Yeah.
2: uh does that, but um yeah, like she said, we're we're new. So uh <laughs> and we are connecting with some of these bands um, but you know, we're just not in rolling in that scene right now, yeah. you know? Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. And I mean, Josh dropped our album yeah. in October. So mm-hmm. I think people we're t- are starting to now like- We're too
2: weird and everywhere. We I think are. that there's no scene that really has adopted us, you know? <laughs> we're just like, Hi we're guys, so all over all
3: the everything. fucking place. Like, well, are you this? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, How many shows- are y'all into being like this version of the Iron Roses? I mean,
1: Ooh. shows are well, I don't know cuz last year we played like we played like 62 shows last year. Yeah, but okay. that was
2: that was playing off that old album. Yeah,
3: since the new album.
1: Since the new album, while well, we had the Fest tour and our Euro tour cuz the new it. album yeah. came out the week before Fest.
2: Yeah. yeah. 2024 is going to be a yes. big year for us. <laughs> like yeah. this this pat like from October through the end of this year was like a big launching yeah. of who we are and what we do. But we're not, and so we haven't really had. I'm getting fuck crap. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> <laughs> hi, I'm old. Um, so that was our launching off period, and it seemed to work very well. Yeah. So like uh, we're getting all these offers for 2024, and it, I don't know. We're gonna see what happens. Yeah.
1: I forget that it's only been, let's see. It's only been two months since our album's come out. Not yeah, even, yeah. <laughs> not even. Two yeah. Months, so, yeah. So
2: really <laughs> as this incarnation, we're, we're babies. Yeah. We're
1: babies.
3: In defense of ska will return in a moment.
4: Hey everybody. It's Barry from the what podcast. Hey, it's
0: Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024 these are GA plus, and they include camping. Russ, how would people get
5: qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
4: Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. <laughs>
6: There was a uh, Facebook post you did recently. It was while you were on the European tour and you said that how, how what a great time you were having, kind of letting people know who you were and more importantly, who you were not. What did you mean by that?
1: We've had to do a lot of work to break people out of <clears throat> the mindset that we are A, a Boy that's Fire junior band, which we are definitely not, mm-hmm. or B, a band that is fronted by, like, it's like, Nathan the Nathan Gray show and yeah. it's definitely not that mm-hmm. either so mm-hmm. being for a
6: side project
1: yeah, yeah that also so like especially you know in that European tour because those are fans that we've worked really hard in building the past couple of years but a lot of those fans have been with Nathan themselves for a long time so that tour that we just did in Europe was very much about like this is what the Iron Roses is. This is what you can expect. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was fun to see that received so well. But Mm -hmm. for me personally, it was a lot of like, this is what we're not. We're not Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses. We're not, you know, Nathan fronted band. It's like, Mm -hmm. we're, this is a a group of six individuals Mm -hmm. who are super strong and good at what they Mm do and we co-front that project, so yeah that's what and
2: it's it's a it's like a double whammy double whammy, yes <laughs> <laughs> um where it's like re like sort of showing who we are mm-hmm. and at the same time showing who I am without it just being all about me, mm-hmm. you know, uh with my coming out and all of that it's it's a sort of a balancing act of making sure that we do everything because um, I've had a good amount of really great responses, but really weird responses as well Mm -hmm. from old quote unquote fans Mm -hmm. on the direction I'm going and who I really am. So sort of doing all that and, you know, I'm not this hardcore singer with a beard (laughs) and, you know, that really blows people away sometimes and I don't get it. Like, Yes, I shaved shave my beard. Yeah, I don't.
1: That, <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you want to say about that it? that? <laughs>
3: threw you? I don't know. Like, all right, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I was less less taken by by uh, the fact that you you know came out as as uh, as non-binary. I was more taken by the fact that you were playing ska. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the real. I, I was just like, whoa! This is the important stuff. Because also, I, when I first saw the band, I didn't realize you were ex-Boy Sets Fire. I just saw this band yeah. that I didn't know who were people who were around my age playing ska. And I was just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, and it was yeah. good. And that, that yeah. it was just blowing my mind. I was like, who the fuck is this? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the true weirdness of this yes. whole thing. Yes.
2: Absolutely. And it's funny, too, because I can even look back on um, just to show in my history where it tried to pop through. Uh, If you go to Boy Sets Fire's album, um, Notes from the Plague Years, Mm -hmm. there's a song called Deja Coup Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I wrote and is incredibly Scott driven. (laughs) Like it even has horns on it. Yeah. Um. And that was my one moment to shine out some of the (laughs) stuff that I wanted to do. Cause that album in particular was a pretty weird one where Mm -hmm. we just went, fuck it. If it sounds good, we'll do
3: it. And, uh, and that was my moment to go, Ooh, this is my chance. How, how did the rest of the band feel about you trying to sneak in some ska? They
2: love that. So we, I mean, we played that song all the way up to the end. Nice. You know? Um, So that one, that one worked. Now, if I would have, Added any more to it, it would have been a no go. <laughs> you, you, you get one; it was a real good one too. We're gonna keep playing it, but that's it. <laughs> and it's funny because it is really like a fan favorite over mm-hmm. in Europe. Like when we play it, it gets everybody bouncing, okay. and you know, so it's uh, it's funny that I can look back to was two thousand six,
1: yeah, that um came out.
2: Right, yeah, yeah. Um, to where I. I, I tried to sneak it in and I won <laughs> for one minute.
1: <laughs> you got
7: all
3: I got oh ska. And now I get to do it all the fucking time. <laughs> no. I also like the approach of, of ska without horns. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So we had some in the studio, but like we knew full well, like we've there's zero chance that we're gonna be able to because we knew we were gonna just like hit the ground running. Because yeah. we recorded the album jesus christ in february of this year good lord (laughs) and we at that point Mm -hmm. knew like once once it came out like we were running and we we didn't know people who you know played horns Mm -hmm. like that could tour and stuff and so it was like i always say that we're like we're sort of ska scented yeah (laughs) (laughs) the way we're reggae scented yeah yeah um And so, yeah, there's some on the um, there's some on the album, but not in the live show.
2: Yeah. The only place you'll really hear them stick out, uh, Raising Hell, Raising Hope. Uh There's definitely a little um, (laughs) horn line in there that's Mm -hmm. actually very reminiscent of English beat. I love it. Um, But in most of the places where you would hear horns on that album, we turned them down a bit just so they're more atmospheric than anything Mm -hmm. else. Uh, because we knew we couldn't do it live.
3: Yeah. There's keys too.
2: Oh yeah, same, yeah, definitely. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah, and we do we do use some tracks here and there mm-hmm. live to have that sound in there, but nothing out front. You know, gotcha. Can you
1: imagine the whole horn section and oh, keys fuck, and no, two no, front no. front people? Yeah, yeah there's locals. already <laughs> six of
2: us and two front people. We can't. That would be the most
1: us. expensive van yeah. ever. Yeah.
6: yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. You post these videos. Um, mm-hmm. On face on Facebook and social media, the two of you, and you, you're both so very excited about this record, about this band, about touring. It seems like such a genuine thing, like not not from musicians that have been doing this for a long time, but almost like people brand new to music.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny when you like find what you've been wanting to do for so long. Um, when you finally get to do it, when you finally get to be yourself and just do exactly 100% what you want to do. Because, uh, you know, I've obviously been in bands before and there's that diplomatic, everybody sort of loses a little type of situation, you know, <laughs> where you don't get to fully do what you want. And with this band, I finally found people who want to do exactly what I want to <laughs> do, you know? And it's the same for everybody else in this band where they're just like, it's just a very joyful situation yeah. where we get to go, wait, you want to do that too? Fuck
1: yeah, let's do that. Like, you know? It is so fun. Yeah. It's been so fun. Yeah. yeah.
6: Can you speak on that, the, the joy of the music and the purpose of the joy? Because you are a band that still has a message and still is saying something, but you're doing it through this, you're doing it through joy or, or joy is just the, the sort of the feeling of it
2: yeah we've been talking about it on stage a couple of times, and we get to uh one song towards the end and Becky takes the mic, and I think she puts yeah. it best
1: i always um so we are speaking two very heavy themes right and and that's something that is important to all six of us. Um, and doing it in a way that maintains that joyful feel even you know in the bounce of the song or even in the live show where we're just having the time of our lives that is such a middle finger to all of the people and ideals and systems that we're speaking out against because it's telling you like we see the things that you're doing. We see how hard you're working to make us miserable, but we're not going to let you take that joy away from mm-hmm. us. Um and when we, you know, are in that space in our live shows, it becomes a a joyful protest because we're gathered with our fans and our friends and we're dancing and we're having the times of our lives and we're still saying no to all of these things. Um and I think that is One of my favorite parts about what we do is that speaking to the same things that maybe a lot of other bands are doing, but we're holding on to that joy in a space that invites everybody in um, to feel included in that.
2: It almost has a swing kids feel.
1: Oh my god, I fucking love
2: that movie. <laughs> yeah. Finding the joy and the passion and the happiness inside the filth.
1: Yeah, yeah, you
6: know? yeah, yeah. I watched that movie a lot because Me
1: religiously. Too. Me religiously, too. religiously.
6: It was one of the only movies that like where my mom and my interest overlap because she's very into history yeah. and usually watches like incredibly boring stuff, but right. <laughs> we both like that movie. So <laughs>
7: it's wonderful. So yeah. Yeah. yeah,
6: It's so it's it's fascinating because you 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 sort of spoke on the sort of the what you perceive to be shallow joy from the ska bands in the nineties. So you're mm-hmm. but you're talking about a different kind of joy. You're talking about oh, without
2: a doubt, it's yeah. purposeful. It's not just that like woo, get drunk, party <laughs> type of feel. You know, it's more. We are. We are celebrating despite the world, mm-hmm. you know, sure. and, and the purpose because it's also energizing. So for that we can get together and we can say, this is what we believe. This is what we hope for. Let's celebrate. Let's get energized. Let's rest up and then let's go out and actually do something about it. It's not, it's not about escapism.
7: Yeah.
2: Uh Which I think is an important thing to add to this. I think that a lot of times when you get into that party atmosphere it's about escapism yeah and that's not something we're promoting at all
7: no.
6: could could you define a little bit um you know what you stand for or what your message is
2: yeah um so it is very important for us to stand up against all of what we see ha- i mean so there's a big lashing back i believe from the 90s <clears throat> i think The 90s, we saw a lot of progress happening. Mm -hmm. And now you see a lot of backlash where you're seeing these old racist tropes. Mm -hmm. You're seeing these homophobic, transphobic, sexist tropes coming back, fighting back against that progress. And so we are seeing that very well. We're seeing the rise of fascism, not just in our country, but all over the world right now,
7: mm-hmm.
2: uh, where people are using fear and anger and hurt to rise up fascist goals. Yeah. Um, and so we are standing up against those things. Uh, you see bills and laws being passed uh, against trans kids and adults. Um, you see almost, it's, it's almost a common event now to see another black person being murdered by the police, uh, over and over and over again on the news, uh, until it's not even news anymore. It's just something that happens. Um, and, uh, rape. Yep, uh, culture that 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 <laughs> happens not only in the outside culture, but with our in our own culture. Mm-hmm. We're just seeing <laughs> these uh, women coming out about anti flag and bands that are in our own fucking backyard. Bands that we propped up, who did irreparable damage mm-hmm. to women in the scene. Yeah. So these are things that we have decided, you know. We're not going to shut up about it.
1: correct, <laughs>
2: um, and we couldn't give a flying fuck about our careers or anything yeah. like that. We're just here to celebrate with those who have not been celebrated. That's a great way to put it. I feel like because we're
6: we're we're in the same age group, and I feel like mm-hmm. our age group is is unique in a sense that when we were growing up in the nineties, you know, we kind of rolled our eyes at our parents. We we felt like we had progressed society a bit than it had been yeah. in the past. I wasn't perfect. No. And it sort of felt like that was the direction things were just going to keep going. And now we're adults and we're seeing that that's not necessarily the direction things go.
2: There was so much built in, like, like I was saying, like you just spoke to, there was so much in the nineties that just looked like, here we go. Okay, here <laughs> we go. you know. And it just went, nope. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, Somewhere along the way, like I said, it's I think it's, it's the natural backlash of, and you see it through history, you know, as progress tries to yeah. move forward, you have those old, awful men usually mm-hmm. who go, oh no, this is taking our power away, you know, and they find new creative ways to usurp that progress.
6: Can you, I think this is relevant. Could you talk a little bit about the song guardrail old guard? I mean, um, and also I want to I wanna mention the video too, because like I feel like the video captures the vibe you're talking about, where it's just everybody all together, the bands all together, the audience is all together. There really isn't anyone propped up from anyone else in that video visually.
2: That was very important to us to make that blending of audience and band and to where you can't really tell Who's who's who and what's going on. It just we're all there together to celebrate. And we try to make our live shows as much of that as we possibly mm-hmm. can. Um, but Old Guard was basically it's it can be encapsulated by the youth are going to change the world if we allow them to live long enough. Yeah. You know? Huh. Um, and that's sort of our job right now as older folks is to fight for those who are going to change the world tomorrow. Um, and especially, as I said. Before And we'll say over and over again, uh, one of the groups of kids that we are fighting hard for are trans youth. Um, mm-hmm. The situation looks fairly hopeless right now, mm-hmm. you know in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, with bills being passed and laws being passed and and trans kids being put in the center and scapegoated for all kinds of awful mm-hmm. shit. Um, so the best we can do at this moment is to fight for them and to try to keep them alive long enough to where they can take charge and do something.
1: We, um playing that song <clears throat> on this last tour was pretty incredible because there were, I think three or four nights where, people had brought their young ones to our shows yeah. and like I went to pieces every time we sang mm-hmm. that song, like I would get down, like, cause they're usually in the front row, like get mm-hmm. down to their level. And like, I'm singing that song to you. This song is for you. And mm-hmm. you know, they're singing it right back. And it's like, this is, ex- this is like just the perfect uh, culmination of everything that we work for with this song. Like this song is literally for you, you. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I've am i got you, I'm going to protect you. Like you have all mm-hmm. of the power to change the world. Like, let's just, <laughs> mm-hmm. let's just do this together. And
2: giving people like that a safe place to be. Yeah. We had people come out, uh, there was a trans boy that came out mm-hmm. uh, and um, at giving people a place where they can go, especially younger people, mm-hmm. where they can go and be celebrated mm-hmm. is so important for them to feel safe and to feel protected so that they can then go, Hey, I I can do this. I don't mm-hmm. have to hide. I don't have to uh, feel scared. I can get out there and, and join this fight.
6: Yeah. I read one interview that you did where you talked about the value of you being an older non-binary person for the sake yeah. of the younger people, because then they have a chance to see themselves as they get age and not just like that they won't
2: age. Yeah. And I think it's important, especially, I think now, oh God, we've been through so many generations now in my lifetime that now you have, um, like the younger generations are now able to look at millennials who mm-hmm. are now under their thirties. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of cool for them to yeah. be able to see like queer millennials and stuff like that. Um, but I feel like millennials actually sort of missed out in a lot of ways because Gen Z or Gen Gen X, which I'm part of, a lot of us were killed off, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not an exaggeration. I think that there are not a lot of older or Gen X um, queers um, Be between the AIDS epidemic and just being literally murdered in the streets. Um, not a lot of us got a chance to grow up and get older. So um, it's a, it's a weird place to be, you know? And, and to feel like you have that mission to show people that it's possible Mm -hmm. that you can grow up, you can be older, you can live a life that's joyful and fun as yourself is uh, it's, it's life-changing.
4: So
6: I want to go back to uh, Rebel Songs, the record you did in uh, 2022, and when it was Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses. Can you kind of walk us through how we got from Nathan Gray and the Iron Roses playing Rebel Songs to not even a full year, or no, a a little more than a year later, getting to the Iron Roses? And with a band that has a different sound altogether.
2: Yeah, yeah we different always <laughs> yeah we always sort of joke about it being that uh, uh, Charlie from Always Sunny, that like picture of him like with all the pictures strung together, <laughs> the to meme. Them. Yeah, <laughs> trying to murder. That's a like
3: conspiracy like, theory thing. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah
2: exactly. Is. Yeah, and um, so I did a few albums solo before mm-hmm. Rebel Song, but. Through those, Becky did backups on all those albums. So it was coming up through that when we finally got to Rebel Songs, and it was me, my friend Gene, and Jed who wrote that album. Uh, Becky came in and was singing a few more vocals in there. And I had um, met Phil, our one guitarist, because I wanted, I had some hip hop influences on that album that I wanted to explore. And he was a real life hip hop artist. <laughs> So I was like, well, I need somebody that knows what they're doing, you know, Um, because I didn't want to sound like an asshole, you know? (laughs) So I was like, please come in and help me here, you know? Yes. (laughs) Um, So it was at that moment, honestly, me, Becky, and Phil sitting at a table at Brian's house Mm -hmm. where it went, oh, here we go. (laughs) Here we go. You know, it's like, we need to, we need to make this something bigger than this, Uh, Because what I was doing, I was incorporating these sounds and stuff, but the way I write songs sometimes and the way it came out and the strumming patterns and stuff, it came out a little Americana. Like it was like (laughs) sort of Bruce Springsteen-ish with some weird reggae and hip hop (laughs) shit thrown in, you know? And so it was like, how do I make this bigger? How do I make this different? Well, I bring in different perspectives. Mm -hmm and I make it less about me and more about us. And so Becky and Phil and I began that mission right there before Rebel Songs was even released, that we were going to find the other pieces to this puzzle and we were going to see what needed to happen. So Mm -hmm. we started to do that and we ran into all kinds of weirdness, like where, you know, people that just didn't fit whether it was musically or it was ideologically um, or it was like weird out of nowhere ideology ideologically. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Oh, fuck, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but um,
6: Not liking Ska. Get out of yeah, here. Yeah, right. exactly, exactly. yeah,. Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> same, same person had a problem with drag shows, so they were obviously <laughs> out.: Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, they don't like fun at all. I know, right? right? That's a you don't like pot or drag. You're you are what dead do you inside. Do? Right? right? <laughs> <laughs> do you just eat cement for breakfast? No, no. At Wait, uh, so they they obviously have a lib laugh love sign yeah. at home, you know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, so the color beige comes. The All way. right, ma'am. sorry. Get okay, <laughs> but so as we move forward, we just started collecting. People. You know, it was like, it was uh, funny enough. Michael, who plays bass for us, had played bass as my touring musician bass player all through my solo stuff, but he was never really part of the band. He just like would go out on the road. But as we started working through the music, it was like, oh shit. No, he, Fits really weirdly. Mm-hmm. Let's keep him. Oh, yeah. Like you know, like, that like his bass lines are just. So they don't sound like they should fit at all, but for some reason they do, mm-hmm. and it just it's perfect. Um, and then the last piece pieces of the puzzle were a strong rhythm guitarist because we struggled with that mm-hmm. until we finally put Phil on lead because that's his jam. That's where he shines. Mm-hmm. Those weird like leady parts. Um. But we then found um, Pedro, Pedro. <laughs> who is probably one of the most steady and amazing rhythm guitarists I've ever heard. Um, and he was playing for Ann Beretta. And we opened for Ann Beretta as a acoustic, acoustic act. <laughs> um, and in that, we met Pedro. And Becky and I started a long-term... Uh, How did
1: we get him? Plotting. <laughs> <which is cool.
2: laughs> For our own. And it worked. Yeah. Um, and then as most bands do, it's the drummer that comes last. They're always
1: <laughs> in 27 bands. Yeah, because
2: there's not a lot of them and they're always in 27 different bands <laughs> and you have to really work to find the right one. Uh, and we had our friend David that played drums on the album, but he couldn't tour. So uh, finally, we uh, through a weird connection. Mm-hmm. So this guy
1: Jake oh used God. to play. We, listen, we tried to tell you that this was like yeah, it's a, so a, convoluted. So I yeah. apologize. Yeah, for all. Of
3: no, I've been I've been wondering about this. I'm I'm all in. Let's go. Our friend Jake,
2: who played
3: in Nathan
2: Gray Collective, played in like my solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he so was it rick from
1: yes good fight records. good
2: fight records hooked us up with jake <laughs> who then hooked us up with steve who is a long-haired version of jake yeah <laughs> in my mind he's just a, a yeah. jersey
1: hardcore drummer yeah kid dude he's he fits great. fucking perfectly yeah,
2: so fun none of us yeah. make
1: sense together yeah. but we do yeah if
2: you if you put us all together and found the weird like inspirations we each have, none of them should have fit. If it
1: was a band. Yes,
2: yes, (laughs) that's what we are. And so and I'll be honest with you. So we were writing through all these member changeups. Yeah. It was not until we were in that studio Mm -hmm. that we started clicking.
1: Yeah.
2: Like with these songs. Like that was a miracle that album. Because we were sitting there like that could have flopped terribly. Like we got in the room, not really, we had the songs, sort of, but we didn't know really what each of us what place each of us had in the songs
1: yeah, it took it definitely took Nathan taking um a step back mm-hmm. um to get to a place where they could let go of the control a little bit, yeah. you know, in that shift from solo artist to band, mm-hmm. and that allowed everybody else to like recognize their own place and power and that is when everybody's six very different like backgrounds and styles kind of came together and created Mm -hmm. what you hear on that album so it was fucking magic Mm -hmm. um and it was, it, it was just, it was very organic in that sense where I was like, okay, if you, if you, you just took a step back and everybody else took a step forward, so everybody's in the same playing field mm-hmm. and that is what happened.
2: Yeah. That's <laughs> literally what happened. And we wrote that album for real mm-hmm. in that studio in that like, what, two, three weeks? Yeah. Solid. Yeah.
1: We were yeah. every day. For yeah. two
2: Yeah. And weeks. basically took each song and just revamped them. Yeah. Right there yep. in the studio.
6: So who Who of the six is the biggest Ska fan?
2: Mm, that's me. Yeah. Easily yeah. <laughs> yeah. <you>. That's what <laughs> I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. That's me. I think second up would be Pedro. Yeah. And I think that's where it ends as far as like you could, everybody's, it's it's so funny because I feel like with within the, well, it's funny because Michael is an excellent Ska and reggae bass player. It's not his style. Mm-mm. Like he's he's like a new metal
7: kid. Yeah. <laughs> like it's
2: and like tech metal. Yeah. Like stuff. But when you hear him play to ska and reggae stuff, it's like that's his first mm-hmm. love, you know. And it's perfect. Like he knows exactly how he is to play on those songs. He's such um, a
1: good like.
3: Group.
2: Yeah, he's got like, such I, a good groove to about it. How yeah.
1: It oh, is.
3: it's so good. How do you two feel about new metal? I I'm not a fan. <laughs> I, uh, I like my metal old
1: oh, I don't, I don't like God. it I don't
2: like it in any- you yeah. <laughs>
1: Michael and I can connect on some weird Music, but I think yeah. like everybody in our band has some like. He's also
2: like fun. it's like his favorite band is Mudvayne. Like it's not even like a cool new metal
1: band. It's not even like a
3: cool new metal band. But as a base, that makes sense. Yo, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I almost, I almost feel like that's better though. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Like weirder. Like,
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's that style has never been my thing. I think as new metal as I get is when Sepultura did Roots. And went yeah. a little new medally, <laughs>
3: like that's as new medley as I get.
7: Good lord, you're 51. It's true. I'm so old.
3: <laughs> so you're not you're not down with a the nookie then. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, just I cringe I thinking about
2: it. My God. <laughs> it's just not my thing. Like, it's cool if other people love it. And I've, sure. I've seen a resurgence of it with like people loving that stuff and like Limp Biscuit and stuff. But I, I can't do it. It's too corny to me. I can't.
3: Yeah, I feel like it's concurrent with with people like realizing like oh I actually like ska. Yeah, and and I feel like people saw that and then they were like well well then then I, I still like new metal. Right, there, <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Well, I like this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good point because I mean ska
2: can be sort of corny and silly too. You know, sure. and yeah. it's got that sort of feel to it. Um, which is, it's both a positive and a negative, depending on how you play it. You know, Cause, yeah. Because as I'm thinking about it, those old, like, if you go back to like the beginning, corn albums, those were some intense fucking albums.
1: <laughs> Remember right. the? Other, I, was I can't corn say. And you were so mad. At yeah. Me. Well, yeah, because you did
2: a. It's fucking <laughs> dumb, but like, <laughs> so like, I can't do Limp Bizkit and a lot of that stuff but that first corn album, I mean, that was talking about some really deep and dark shit. And, and with Ross Robinson, like making him cry in a corner Mm -hmm. while he's playing the song. Like, so that's, I mean, I can get down with that. Like,
1: you can get down with very dark shit. (laughs) I
2: can get down with some dark shit, but.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious about the two of you. Um, You've worked together five years or so, or how did that all come together?
1: Uh, Um, When was Feral Hymns? 2006
2: years ago, five years ago,
1: six years ago. Nathan and I have been friends for a little over 10 years now. Yeah. Um, And when Nathan was writing their first solo album, they were working on a song and Nathan has like an iPhone. So on their iPhone, there's like, probably 763 (laughs) voice memos of like bits of songs and they were working on something um and I was like I heard a harmony um to something that they were writing and so like I just kind of created a new voice file and sent it back and then like a couple months later when Nathan was about to go in the studio to record that album with Pete from bouncing souls, Nathan was just like, Oh, by the way, when I go to the studio, I need you to be there. And I was like, uh, what? (laughs) 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 So, um, I just kind of got jumped in that way, I guess. And, and it's just evolved. And so for me, this album has been super, special because it's the first time where i'm not like in the background Mm -hmm. um and so it's been Mm -hmm. like a whole journey of me learning how to take up space or learning to let myself take up space and it's just been it's been fun to to watch the progression over the last six you know years or however many years it's been Mm -hmm. um to be you know partner Mm -hmm. with you in that in that you know, role now yeah. as opposed to somebody at the background mm-hmm. in a dress like with a fucking, what do you call that? Tambourine. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it became obvious that she was going to be part of the band when it was the first time we played fest was actually three fests ago. Um, and it was just an acoustic act of like me, Phil and um, Michael. And- Michael and and you yeah. but you came in to it a few shows in yeah
1: because that was that yeah. Turner tour and
2: that was when it really locked in because we hadn't played all together yeah live yeah and then when we did there was no turning back yeah because it was like well you know <laughs> that because then we played some tours yeah. and then remember that time you got sick and couldn't play in Richmond yeah and we were all like well that was fucking stupid you know? <laughs> that didn't work at all <laughs> like we didn't have our members like it was like it was so weird like Mm -hmm. it was just like well i guess that's how you know who's gonna stay yeah if you can't play a show and it ruins the fucking show
4: (laughs) in
3: defense of ska will return in a moment
4: hey everybody it's barry from the what podcast
0: hey it's russ hey it's brian and we are giving away two tickets to bonnaroo 2024 These are GA plus, and they include camping. Russ,
4: how do people get qualified?
5: We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup.
4: Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.
6: So Nathan, you um, for you have said in interviews before that you had tried to come out several times uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. Can you speak a little bit to how why you were able to come out now, and if there was anything unique about this particular moment for you?
2: Yeah, I think there's uh, a lot of unique things that finally met up, and I think that. There were so many moments growing up that I didn't know what to call this, you know, um, like non-binary and pansexual and things of that nature in this like crazy in-between world. (laughs) Um, Didn't, I'm not saying it didn't exist. I know it existed, but not to me, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, not to my weird little Christian culty upbringing. You know, I'd never heard of that. you were either gay or straight, you know, and so trying to weave in and, and out of those things, <laughs> yeah, and also don't be gay, but there are only those two things, yeah um and so and and fuck, being a woman or a they or a them that was just what are you even talking yeah. about like that's not a thing like um, so going through that upbringing and being very sheltered up until I was like 19. Um, and then getting out in the world and playing in bands and like even in Boy Sets Fire, like um, the hardcore scene, I not as open as everybody would like to think or be nostalgic about. Um, there were times that I sort of, came out here and there, but I was sort of confused about what it meant. Am I gay? Am I bi? Am I this? Am I that? I don't fucking know. Um so there was a lot of moments of going in and out of the closet. Um and a lot of that dealing with shame and frustration with myself and not understanding. Also, there was a lot of trauma from sexual abuse that had happened in my past in the church I was in that I was not ready to face up to yet. So there was a lot of anger and there was a lot of almost this put on masculinity uh,
5: Mm
2: -hmm. that I was working with because of that. And so five or six years ago when I put out Feral Hymns as a solo album was the first time I really spoke to that publicly. Uh, And I started getting help for that trauma. And as that trauma dissipated, um, new things came out, you know? Uh, (laughs) It was like, once that got out of the way, it was like, oh, a lot of this makes a lot more sense now. Now that I'm not angry, now that I'm not putting forth this, like trying to figure out which kind of masculine stereotype I'm going to be, (laughs) um, who am I? And it, presented itself very clearly to me. And then to have a very, very obvious divide from friends and family to where there was a definite group of people that were not stoked and not Mm -hmm. going to support me um, and blamed me and made me feel miserable about it. Then there was this very small group of iron roses (laughs) that made me feel so perfectly right where I was and, and just loved on me like no other, uh, from stage. I've said it a couple of times when many other others walked away, the people I'm associating with now are the ones that ran towards me. And so I mean, that's really the story. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but like, (laughs) it's really the story of finding myself outside of that trauma, realizing, okay, this is what this is called. And this is what this is. And this is what this feeling is. And it doesn't even have to stop there. You may progress even more from there. You don't know, but you're on your journey now, finally. And you're at peace with that journey. And everyone that you're with, no matter how that changes, are going to walk right along with you as you change and as you become more you. And so that's what makes it beautiful and wonderful now, <laughs> is that I just get to be and, and have that support and love as I go forward.
6: Can you talk about the first time you uh, got on stage with Boy Sets Fire after having come out?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, well, weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, one of the uh, th- to just backtrack, and then I'll get back to that. One of the weird moments that I, I I like to bring up because I want people to hear it and know how words and actions can have consequences in life. I remember there was a song by Boy Sets Fire that I reclaimed on Feral Hymns, called Across Five Years. That song was about an ex-boyfriend um, who I was unable to give fully to because I was terrified of being who I was. Um, and we played that song many times. And someone came up to us at a show, a Boy Fire show a long, long time ago, and uh, asked me what the song was about. And I had decided I was going to trust our fans and just be like, OK, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell them what it's about. And I told them what it was about and they looked at me and went, well, that ruins it for me and just walked away. Wow. And I just fell to fucking pieces. And I was like, well, never again. I'm not that person. Fuck that. So flash forward (laughs) now. uh, Once I came out and um, we still had some boys at fire shows to do. Um, And, and, and we're going to do uh, a 30 year anniversary thing in October in Europe, uh, which will be my last with that band. Um, it, it was, it's weird. Mm -hmm. It's, um, there's a lot of feelings and weirdness and history there that, I don't know if I'm fully comfortable talking about, but there are definitely people within the band that I feel very comfortable with and others I don't. Hmm. And I hope, and I hope that maybe coming to an end after these 30 Mm -hmm. years, uh, we'll be able to rebuild a friendship down the road in that regard uh because I do love them as friends and as family and I think that a lot of things have gotten in the way of us progressing with that band and it's not just about me and and those changes but um out of that the fan base uh there's obviously some cult followers that have <laughs> come over to the Iron Roses mm-hmm who are always there to support and love. There are a lot of folks that Boy Sets Fire, I think, like Josh and I from Boy Sets Fire were talking about how a lot of people came in during the windup years, which was, uh, you know, sort of going like a Sony <laughs> conglomerate thing uh, that we were on the same label as Creed basically, you know? Um, and so a lot of people came in that are the same people that are like, when did Rage Against the Machine get so political? You know what I mean? Those types. of things. So um, I have gotten a lot of shit from those kind of people. Like when they find out that I'm doing this and I'm who I am, they come over and I get trolled and shitty fucked DM. with and shitty fucking messages Ugh. that are just ugly and gross um, from people who have obviously never listened to our lyrics. But um but it's not just them. It's also uh, fans that like just little things that they don't understand. Like, oh, I loved your beard. Why don't you have your beard?
1: You see the full face of
2: fucking makeup and you see my, I've seen you on my Instagram. match
1: my eyeliner. You fucking know. Yeah, yeah.
2: You fucking know the journey I've been going through and how weird that is. To fucking come up and say. I like the old you better than who you are. You that know. That says a lot. And. Um, so I've struggled a lot with that. More so with the fan base. Than anything else within. I think mm-hmm. that anything. Within the band. is Are things that just. You're in a band for 30 fucking years. You need to take a goddamn break. <laughs> you know like. And just move on. And and just be friends, you know? But um but it's that that fan base that there's definitely has been a struggle. Uh not feeling like I can go onto those stages and not and and feel comfortable being who I
6: am. I see. I mean it's interesting. You would think that being in a a political punk band wouldn't have those issues, but you know, the reality is, yeah, you, you they do. Think,
2: and this, is what, this is what women and queer people and people of color have been telling the hardcore scene and the punk scene for fucking decades. Yeah, It's not what you think it is. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, it is a subculture and it's at its best, mildly better than the prevailing culture out there <laughs> at its worst it's just as bad, you know, um, just in a different way, you know? Uh, so it's, it's difficult, you know? And, uh, I, I both look forward to, and I worry about October and when we do those things, like how that plays out. Um, but you know, like with anything else, you get out there and you do it, and you are who you are, and you don't let anybody stop you.
6: All right, so I want to talk about um
3: I want to talk about Pan- Pantera. I almost said Panera, but have- <laughs> Pantera. Right, we can talk about Panera too. I want to try that lemonade with all the caffeine in it. <laughs> it just Panera.
6: it just tastes like it just tastes like
3: lemonade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Hey, people have died from that lemonade. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> Pantera. Let's go. Pantera lemonade. Let's do it. So,
6: okay. Can you can you can you go back the story? Um, there was one or a couple festivals, maybe, that you were on the same bill as Pantera, and uh you started to yeah. you started to complain about that and it kind of set some things in motion.
2: Yeah, so it's it's funny because the um so, Boy Sets Fire was going to play some festivals that Pantera was also involved in, um, and I started speaking out about it because I, I saw I saw that going on, and then I saw other people speaking out about it. I was like, "Yeah, this is fucked up. This is stupid." This, uh, number one, it's a it's it's fucking um, Pantera karaoke. It's just Phil, like, and yes. and he sucks. So, what the fuck are they even doing this for? But um, I, I felt the need to speak up because I feel like there's a misunderstanding of that it was just this one time that he said white power and did the see Kyle at a show and he apologized and moved on. There are literally albums where he says the N word in them. Like, mm. I'm not fucking kidding. Like, you can hear it. It's recorded. He's not, this is who he is. It wasn't a mistake. Like, and so, you know, a super joint ritual. It was, um, uh, I'm not going to fucking, you can fucking find it if people want to find it. But um, the dude sucks. He's a racist piece of shit. He fucking sucks. And so anyway, my point being is that I then connected with political groups in Germany that were fighting against having them on the stage. So my part of this and how I stand on all these types of things are, I feel that no one's going to give a shit if my band jumps off the festival. Um, They're just going to replace us with another band. But if we stay and we stay loud, whether they get kicked off or not is irrelevant. We are doing what we're supposed to do. So I got in touch with the festival. I got in touch with the political groups that were fighting against it. I was like, I'm in, let's talk about this. Let's do this. And the first stage was the festival and other bands trying to distance themselves (laughs) and trying to, well, you know, okay, it's not that big of a deal. And then us being like, no, it's a big fucking deal and they need to go. And then, so my stance was, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to show up regardless. I will talk shit from stage (laughs) to that motherfucker's face. I do not give a shit. (laughs) If you want that drama at your festival, let's do it, you know? (laughs) Uh, And then on top of that, whatever money I get from those festivals, I will be donating that, that money to certain organizations. And so from there, uh, a lot of different groups. I I wouldn't say that my voice alone did anything. It just added to the commotion, you know, and there were a lot of organizations out there that were fighting against Mm -hmm. this and people that were standing up. Uh, None of the other bands on the festival, (laughs) mind you, but uh, I was it. I was the one person in a band on that festival that stood up. Um, But they finally caved and they said, "Okay, we'll kick him
3: off." Cool, done. And that was the story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good story. Has anything else ever come of that from from their camp? No. to no,
1: Fucking sure do. There's Fuck there's like, Yeah. <laughs> they're on yeah. other festivals somewhere. Yeah. Like, I'm
2: sure they're doing fine. He's gonna tour around, make his fucking money, and whatever. You know.
1: I will say, like, the amount of disgusting comments mm. and dms and shit like that that we got on our band page and yeah. like our personal pages just mm-hmm. because like we were standing up against that was vile like yeah. some of the things that these like pantera fans were saying to yeah. us was just like like i remember there my were,
2: favorite was that it was like you know you're not helping their cause right now right, right? with
1: like, the shit you're saying yeah, yeah. like there were a couple of days where i'm like i have to just Delete and not look because like the stuff that they were saying was so vile. I'm like, do you have moms? What in the?
6: (laughs) (laughs) How dare you call me racist? (laughs) Says racist. Yeah, yeah, and then go on and prove the point and say just
1: (laughs) like calling for you to like your your death, like literally. It was it was. It was a it was a thing. And then it wasn't.
2: The, yeah, and then all of a sudden they moved on to the next yeah, thing. It yeah. was just, And that's how it works with these fucking people. Like They find the thing to be outraged about and they come and tell you they're going to kill you. Yeah. And they comment the on all
1: your YouTube videos yeah, yeah, like, Pan- yeah, yeah. this is not as good as Pantera. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. buddy. All right.
2: Uh, and then they fucking move on to we'll the next fucking fuck off. thing that Fox News tells them to be fucking angry about. Fuck them all. it's like, just like, all right see you at the next show you're not going to come to all right oh no i think one of the things i don't know that we
6: if this was quite stated is that you're talking about this online this is a boy sets fire show but you're talking about it on the iron roses social media right
1: everywhere right we like my band like all of our bandmates Mm -hmm. are like we said we all have similar Mm -hmm. values so we're not going to let like
7: We're not going to not say
1: something. When one
2: of us speaks up, everybody jumps in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially when it gets to a point where people are like attacking one of ours. Yeah. You're going to be out of your fucking mind if you think that I'm going to just not say something.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that was a wonderful thing and a uh, eye-opening thing. To say something, I'm going to say this carefully. (laughs) (laughs) To speak up and have this band defend me. And that has been a common thread of me saying who I am and what I believe and what I stand for, and this band jumping to have my back publicly. Mm -hmm. And that's where I'm gonna stop. What I'm saying. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm.
6: and also, I want to talk about Frank Turner, also, because uh, you, you mentioned it earlier, uh, sort of in the in the in the run up to this band, or sort of the evolution of this band. That was sort of a pinnacle moment, wasn't it? When you opened
2: for Frank Turner? Yeah, That's I mean that crazy. Was, uh, it was it like, was insane. Yeah,
1: they, we the person who was supposed to open on that tour, it was right as COVID was kind of starting to die down and people were starting to tour again the person that was supposed to be on that tour got pulled off of it and
2: because he refused to get vaccinated
7: i wasn't
1: gonna say it but yes, yes that's it. why
2: <laughs> no say it <laughs> <He was
1: fascinated. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and um so uh frank reached out or frank's team reached out to us and it was like hey can you do like a three and a half week tour in Last two weeks and yeah we're like, <laughs> Yeah, we'll figure yeah. <laughs> that out. Um, But like that, like it was really... And this is
2: when it was still getting billed as like Nathan, right? Yeah, it yeah. was.
1: And it was like, okay, well, you can do an acoustic set because like it's an acoustic tour. And that was like, you know, I couldn't get all the time off work. So I jumped in like halfway through. And that was really like with Michael who plays bass and Phil plays guitar and Nathan and myself, mm-hmm. like that core, like four from the beginning, that's where that all gelled and it was like it was a pretty cool moment for us to figure out where we were going as a band but Mm -hmm. also like frank's fans are incredible and devoted and just the kindest humans and we've collected some really amazing people from that experience
2: which to speak to that the reason why frank turner has such amazing fans is because he himself is an amazing human being And I want to speak to that a little bit because I I always try to.
7: Um,
2: Like, his team did not want four people on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, It was supposed to just be me and one other person. And Frank was like, no, they're going to do whatever they want to. (laughs) Uh, They Also, he's one of the only bands as a headliner that doesn't make you price match them in merch. Yeah. He's very ethical. He's just, I, I love that He's guy.
7: He's a fucking professional. He is a sweetheart.
2: wonderful, wonderful sweetheart of a human being. And I think that I, I always make it like a point to say that because I think when you have such devoted fans that sometimes like fans that are so devoted, they get disappointed a lot because the people that you're dedicating so much time to end up being scumbags. And I think it's sort of nice when you're that dedicated of a fan to sometimes hear that you were right. Yeah,
7: he, you know he is that. Actually, yeah,
2: oh, no, he's actually exactly what you think he is. He's absolute, just beautiful human yeah. being. Yeah. Like, yeah. perfect.
6: Now he he was on a track that you did in yeah uh, mm-hmm.
2: a
7: few
6: years before that, right? Uh, twenty twenty, I believe. The song, say anything.
2: Yep. We've been friends Pandemic for a very long time. Uh, and it's funny because he was telling the story from stage how he bugged a promoter, his old band bugged a promoter day in and day out to get onto a Boy Such Fire show in, in uh, the UK. It must have been in two, 2000. No, I'm sorry. Whoa, 1997, <laughs> not 2000, <I> <laughs> 1996, 1997. But like he was in this little unknown band. That uh, just just browbeat this fucking poor promo- promoter till he was like, <laughs> "Fine, you can open." <laughs> and then he uh, interviewed me for his zine at the time, and um, it-, it was funny him recounting that on stage and everything. But like, we've yeah, I mean, we've known each other since then, and we've been friends since then. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, our paths cross, and it's it's always an interesting time. <laughs>
6: Well, very cool. So I think that we are going to be airing this episode the beginning of January. So 2024, Any, any, anything you want to say about what you have planned for
1: 2024? Or- well, <laughs> <laughs> we were just laughing because uh, when we were on the flight back from Germany, we got to announce uh, Punk Rock Bowling. And then mm-hmm. it hit us that in the time that we were on tour, in in Europe, we announced like four festivals in that time, yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um we got a new booking agent right after Fest who has been working his absolute wonderful ass off for us (laughs) and i mean that in a way that sounds way better or
2: less (laughs) Less predatory and weird (laughs) yeah right
1: but uh so yeah the um the first half of the year is already going to be absolutely bonkers for Mm -hmm. us and i have a feeling that it's gonna just continue to be a, a big year for us like you know, releasing the album two months ago and doing a couple of, of big tours off of it. And just we're going seeing... to be
2: playing more in Canada than I
6: ever I know, have in my life. I know. <laughs> yeah. we
1: that yet, oh, though. sorry. So no, don't say I mean, thing. no, we won't. She's bad at this. I'm bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be very busy. And I keep joking that I, I hope we're so busy. My job is like, Hey, do you just want to quit. Cause you're never here. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Any he tours with ska bands. Not we yet.
1: can't say anything at all right <laughs> at this
2: time. She's literally covering my mouth right now. <laughs> but,
1: but perhaps. Perhaps. Why? You wanna, anybody want to talk with us? <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of announcements coming up. Yes, so
7: we'll we that. do.
6: Right. Stay tuned.
2: Stay yes. tuned. Big <laughs> things coming. Yes. Well, that one yes. crap bowling that's out. I mean, there's a lot of ska yeah, on that Cat
3: fucking. Coming, yeah. yeah, that is like a yeah. Madness fucking playing that <laughs> yeah. fucking thing. Yeah. Doesn't get more ska than that. Right.
7: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thank you for listening to in defense of ska to support the show. Sign up for our Patreon intro and outro music by slow Gherkin from the EP lives. Additional music by Dan P. and the Bricks. Please rate and review the podcast and tell a friend. Follow at of Ska on social media. The book Indefensive Ska by Aaron Carnes is available from Clash Books. Order it online. Chris Reeves of SPI is our editor. This is your co host, Adam Davis of Omnigon, leading you by saying Ska now more than ever. folks, and that's it for season three of In of Ska. And we'll leave you by saying big things coming. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe we've done three full years of Indefensive
6: Ska? It's gone by so fast. It's insane. It seems like just yesterday uh, we were talking about Flat Planet.
3: It seems like just yesterday you were convincing me that the world needed another podcast. And you were right. Yeah. <laughs> season four, we're
6: not going to give away anything but we do actually have some pretty cool big things planned for season four that are totally different totally different than the first three seasons
3: we actually do and they're already in the can they're ready to go yeah so make sure you're subscribed make sure you turn up next week uh and if you want more of uh our conversation with iron roses uh we of course have the patreon you can head over there you can listen to all these episodes with no interruptions of advertisements and extra bonus content.
6: You're definitely going to want to be on that Patreon in Season
0: 4. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get
5: qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call
4: 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.